In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Cleveland, it's another victory. It is three and one Browns, and I'm here with Ian and Jack. Ian, how are you feeling after that victory? I mean, the gang's all together, so that's uh, better showing than our offense. But listen, going on the road against a tough NFC North opponent, getting the win, not the prettiest. I think Stefanski and Baker both said it. Ugly, but a win's a win. Three and one, moving on next week. What, Chargers next week? Jack, what's your first reaction, mate? Uh, I've, I fear for the future of the uh, team. I, I think we're going to set up being a really, really awkward position. I would not like to be in this front office because you have to make a franchise-altering decision one way or the other. And we seem to be back at the start of where we were last year. It could be Baker's just going to need six games every season to get rolling, and I hope that's all it is. But they're in a a lose-lose situation, potentially. So, so you're saying, Jack, you don't think Baker had a good game? Baker had an awful game. It was not oh, okay. good. Okay, cool. Let's go straight into our podcast format. Out of 10, I'll go first this week. I thought our off- offence was 6 out of 10. Oi, it- hey. I think y- You are the optimist of the podcast, Paul, because <laughs> I'm going with three. Three, yeah. Um, and I'll go with a three only because Nick Chubb had a hundred yards rushing and Kareem Hunt had 69 yards rushing and a touchdown. I thought, you know, both of them averaging almost five yards a carry. Um, it was nice to see Hollywood Higgins get a little action there. And those are my three points of the offense. Cause outside of that, it was <laughs> and more. <laughs> and another one, Jedrick Wills. Yeah. Offensive line. I, I will get to that, but I'm talking about from the other ones. Yeah, it was, it was it just overall, and listen, Minnesota, we knew was a good team. They're not a great team. They're a good team. And the Browns, again, like Kansas City, I mean, Jack, how many open balls did Baker miss? I mean, whether it's Harrison Bryant going along the silence, Odell with a walk-in touchdown. I mean, I feel Walking like... touchdowns, there were yeah, several. I, I just think that he's overthinking, overstriding, and overthrowing. I mean, for Baker to go from a guy who was, what, the one game... 93% completion to 15 to 33. So you're talking about sub 50% completion. And don't get me wrong. Minnesota's good. Can anybody name their corners? I mean, Patrick Peterson. Okay. But you know, Breland goes out and they bring in cam dancer who has not been. And Odell had a couple where he had shaken them and we just missed. Nah, it's serious yeah, questions. I, I know I'm more optimistic than you guys, but getting an average of five yards, Every time as a running back and getting over 150 today, rushing, you know, that, that's not too negative. That's the three. We just scraped our way to 14 points on how many drives? On a field goal, a touchdown with a two point conversion, and another field goal. I mean, listen, 
again, you're going to go through a season and you're going to have games like these where it just doesn't work. I mean, remember last year, the bears and the, and the bucks are playing and Brady just looked awful. I mean, he was missing Godwin and Evans. And so listen, quarterbacks are going to go through this, but at the end of the day, the bears won that game. The Browns won their game. So at the end of the day, Baker looked like shit. I think they acknowledged that Stefanski did a great job covering for him in the post game. But at the end of the day, Everybody who watched that game knows the offense was basically stuck in mud all day long. And the offensive line, while they're significantly better in run blocking right now, but in pass blocking, Baker too often is drifting back. There was a couple instances where when Wills was even in and Conklin were in, they rushed their passers almost to collide and Baker steps back into the rush instead of stepping up into the pocket. I thought Batonio on that touchdown run with Kareem Hunt, I mean, he blew that entire side of the line open. So it's not like these guys aren't getting pushed. I thought Batonio had a couple plays, but at the end of the day, him and Treader were working pretty well over there. It's just Baker has to step up and be comfortable in that pocket. So, you know, last last year we thought it was Jedrick Wills and, you know, the uncertainty then maybe even the Greg Robinson years before that, but he has to step up into the pocket and drive the ball. So there was an interesting stat pregame. Um, Baker ranks second worst in the NFL for percentage of pressures resulting in sacks. He's at 33.3%. So out of every three pressures, one of them leads to a sack. That's probably gone down after today and is now even worse. The only quarterback worse than him is Joe Burrows. Um, that, that's something that we desperately need to improve because, hey, the Browns have a phenomenal O-line. The best O-line in the NFL last year. Um, and he, he's, if there is times when there's pressure, he's got to be able to do better um, because that is one thing that is straight down to the quarterback, um, whether it ends up in a sack. He's got the opportunity to throw it away. And it, it, there's a horrible big question looming. Luckily, the front office said, hey, we're not going to make it last year, of do you want to pay this guy $45 million a year and marry yourself to him, or do you not? And if you do marry yourself to him, you've stuck with him for two more years. Um, because if we remember where the Wentz and Goff situation, they were able to trade him after his fifth year, but that was because it was two years after they paid him. So if they do then pay him this offseason, there's two more years of Baker, whatever that result might be. And who knows, it might be great. But if you're going to say no to him, then that's potentially Stefanski and Barry's jobs on the line. If you say yes to him, it's still their jobs on the line. So it's a really, really complex and difficult situation. I want Baker to be an annual top 10 quarterback. And that doesn't mean he's top 10 most years. He has to be top 10 without a doubt. So you're talking probably one of the seven best in the league over the next few years. I I don't feel safe betting that he's going to do that every single year. Um, And that's terrifying. Paul, how much I trigger Drak by saying, how much does this offense miss Jarvis Landry? This offense misses quality wide receivers. I don't think Jarvis is what they miss. I mean, Jarvis is the guy who gives him the easy completions. And right now we're trying to drive the ball down the field. And I just don't know if maybe Baker is a guy who has to, you know, almost like a basketball player has to hit some free throws to get himself going. But I mean, it just shows you right now. I mean, Higgins, I thought had a great game, but I mean, Donovan Peoples Jones has disappeared. I mean, he's, he's on a milk carton right now and Odell is getting open, but those that deep range that 15 to 25 yard range right now baker is just off but we were all right on the first drive the first drive he was getting completions 
So he, ca- he came out fine. The, the first drive I had no real concerns about. I was like, okay, after the first drive, my concern was the D and the offence was just working. Um, obviously, it stalled in the red zone right at the end. But the long drive, it was all short little completions. Um, but yeah, after that first drive, it all then flipped on its head. Um, yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Bakers just need six weeks because the first game was great. Then we've seen three game, two games of average, and then we've seen one really bad game. And also, Austin Hooper, can you help the guy out? Like when he makes a pass, can you can you catch it? I mean, there was two plays. One on, I think it was the third down coming over the middle, and then the one on the sideline. Like they hit him in the hands. He's got to have that. He's got to have that. Now, if and if he can't. Listen, I know he's a good blocker, but at this point, I wouldn't mind them maybe giving a couple of those reps to Njoku to see. And this is a guy who struggled with drops. But I mean, if, if Hoover's not gonna Hooper's not gonna be the reliable guy we need him to be, then we're gonna have to get somebody that is because there's two passes that really need to be. Yeah, move, move both tight. I'm not the position now. Lots of people are like, oh, I prefer Njoku to Hooper. I'm nearer the position of both probably should be moved on after this year and go get someone else. Um we need to good isn't good enough. Um, we need above average, and neither is producing that at the moment. Because hey, it's a tight end position. It's massively important to Stefanski, less so, but still important to Baker. All right, guys. Well, let's keep. Let's not get too deep in this. Um, what number are we agreeing on? I'm saying six. You're saying three and three. If we go over four, how do you feel about that? Just to keep you happy, Paul. <laughs> Ian? Four is fine with me. It's still a failing grade. Defense. I'm going to go with a nine. I, I mean, they didn't have quite the number of sacks takeaways as the Bears, but you held Kirk Cousins to 20 of 38, 200 yards with a pick, 5.3 yards of completion, and held them under 70 yards rushing. I, I would say a nine. Yeah. I mean, it's a different line than I think last week because we only had what two sacks on the day. Um, yeah. I would say I, it's funny. I don't, I don't hear people calling Joe Woods's name anymore. Oh wait, exotic corner blitzes. Oh, oh wait, we're getting pressure with four finally. So yeah, I would say a nine is pretty fair for me. Jack, what about you? Yeah, I could take a nine. I was going to say eight, but I'm happy with a nine. The first drive was stinky. We had more holes than a Swiss cheese. And uh, I sent a picture of Swiss cheese to you too. That's why I laughed. I was like, yep. <laughs> but as soon as that first drive was out of the way, everything was fine. Um, really, really great game after that. It was, uh, yeah, just took one drive to uh, even out the cracks. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm happy with nine. Paul, do you think that game gave Greedy Williamson confidence stepping in for Greg Newsom? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I guess he's he, he may be thinking this offseason – you know, he's the odd, odd person out with Hill, Ward and uh, Newsom. But yeah, you know, interception today, what I saw of him looked good. So yeah, the question is, is he, is he going to get an extension? I know he's been injured a lot. Uh, let's see how it plans out. You got another year. Before you need to make any decision on Greedy, so it's so all good. Yeah, second year pick, so he'll be a four-year deal. So he has this year and then next year, and then he'd be a free agent next year. But I mean, I, I, I thought just, his coverage on the couple balls that even were caught, I thought were pretty good. I mean, AJ Green was in the one guy's pocket on that great catch down the sidelines. I mean, even Denzel Ward on that one deep ball to Jefferson down the right-hand sideline. I mean, those are just tough. I mean, those are jump balls. You got to find the ball. You're not looking for one in the rafters, you know. So overall, 
the Browns defense, I thought Ben not break and made the plays when they had to make. And I'll tell you, if you don't have solid tackles, Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett and Malik Jackson and Malik Dowell and McDowell and Tack McKinley are going to give you problems because they just bring it and bring it and bring it. And you could see Stefanski, you know, we'll get into the manager a little bit later, but I thought he did the defense a lot of favors, even towards the end of the game, making sure to give them as much reps uh, rest as he can. I think one guy that they really need to focus around that they've got to build that linebacker core around Joe. Okay. He is phenomenal again. Um, he was incredible last week and he had another followed it up with another really good game. So uh, no, really excited to see what he can produce. Um, their long-term planning. I know we don't want to get into the long-term in these, but how we're going to replace Joe Davion Clowney is going to be fascinating because he is not signing for a deal. The Browns can afford next year. Unless he really loves it. I, I, I tend to agree with you, Jack. And, you know, we can obviously be wishful thinking, but I heard an interesting pregame discussion regarding JOK. I'm curious to get your guys' take on it. And it talks about, do you want to see more JOK out there? And, you know, Former Browns offensive lineman John Greco made a comment about right now he's played about 50% of the snaps last week, but he was really effective in those 50% of the snaps. So those are the, he goes, listen, I know we want to see him more, but at this point, if Woods has found a role for him in these situations where he's playing the 50% and grading out like he's grading, that that's not the worst thing in the world for a rookie right now. And don't oversaturate him to get him overthinking, let him get out there, read, react, because I mean, Baldinger did a great breakdown of him covering David Montgomery last week against the bears. And even this week, you know, with Dalvin cook being in and out of the game, I thought he was able to play loose and free. And I'm sure if it comes back, he's probably in that 50 to 60% snap. So I thought Taki Taki had a pretty good game in terms of what, you know, they asked him to do. And Malcolm Smith continues to fill in for Anthony Walker. So you know, that, that Brown's weakness allegedly going into the draft with the, uh, the linebackers is slowly becoming something where, I mean, tight ends aren't killing us over the middle. And, you know, I think right now the linebackers are probably playing as good as any other, you know, level on the Browns defense. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see um, what the snap numbers are for linebackers because each of the three first three weeks of the season, we saw a reduction in the amount of linebackers on the field. Obviously, it's slightly led to because of injuries. Um, Harrison going out during the game might have pushed it back up higher but it was going to be interesting to see how they sort of trend across the season because we're below two per um, below two per snap um, at the moment so keep that coming down get me even more dime packages so uh, I'm loving it special teams out of 10 I'm going to go with uh, 8 I, d I don't think they did anything, and I can't think of a single moment where they sort of have notes. So I just want to say kicker, a six straight on the nose. The kicker uh, did well again. Yeah, I uh, think McLaughlin's really taken – I think he's been the strength of the special teams. Not missing. Um, Felton obviously brought back a little bit to earth today on his punt returns. Um, only got, I think, five returns for 25 yards. Um, Gillen didn't have his greatest day. His first punt was a Shankarooski. Uh, so I would say probably since sevens are off limits, I would say probably lean towards Jack. I'm raising the bar in this special teams no longer, you know, are we going to just take eh, good special teams? They didn't really do anything for me today. So I'm going to agree with Jack. I'm going with a six. It's just an average. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do anything game changing. Um, so I think just boom, give it, give them a straight average. Um, yeah. You got to remember. We've got a few 
the special teams out there. Greg Joseph, friend of the show, uh, Scottish Hammer. I texted him afterwards. He replied. I said to him, he's uh, he has basically been uh, punted a lot today. His feet must be sore. And he said he punted a lot. Yeah, so. Yeah, seven punts. And I think of his seven punts, only two of them, I think, were returned. So that's, I mean, that's probably what prefer the idea there was. The one went out of bounds. Three inside the 20. So he kind of made up for it a little bit in terms of his first one that was not all that good. Um, I think his long today was 54. So that's a nice size punt in a dome. But, you know, overall, making their kicks, that's a good thing. You know, if we're starting a bar at five, they did enough to bump it up thing. They didn't really do anything. Turnovers. I didn't see any dumb penalties. So six. It's probably a seven, but since they're off limits in the Paul Brown podcast, six it is. Yeah, so it's a challenge for Jamie Gillen this year to make sure he, he gets it because being a um, a UDFA, it's great for the first three years. But the issue is that contract in the fourth year, the restricted free agents, 2.4 million. So that's going to be a challenge for him to get that. Obviously, they could negotiate a deal down, um, but that's going to be one to keep an eye on next offseason. He should be fine through the year, but on the bubble um just before we wrap up what are your views on um managerials they went for it on the uh, fall down a couple of times in the game um do you think they should have gone for the kick or do you think um they should have run it as, as we'll touch on another part of the managerial after that but the, the fourth down decisions great smart calls go for it some of the play calling and play by the o-line and baker on those was crap but the decision to go for it was right and you know here's here's the here's the catch 22 on this right at in the moment i'm like it's fourth and four fourth and five it's early in the game you have to kick it right and then i'm like okay i took the over today thinking there was going to be a lot of points so clearly I was wrong. Stefanski even said in the post game, they were expecting some points to be scored. And then it turned out not to be the case. So while in the moment I was like, mm, not a big fan, kick the points, get up early, counter their drive later in the game. When they went for two, I was like, yeah, that's the right call. Even after the penalty, I was like, okay, I'm good with that decision. So that's the thing is you're going to have to understand that if you take one, you got to take the other. So if you want them to be aggressive on the two point conversions, then you need to you, you got to understand that they're going to be aggressive on the um, on the fourth downs as well. So I think at the end of the season it's going to pan out and be a net positive, which is I kind of think what Jack's point is is a lot of these analytics people over the years have said, listen, if you do it often enough, you'd be surprised how often it turns in your favors. And a lot of times we're seeing in other games in the NFL teams imploring the same strategy and having success. So I don't mind it. I don't think it was Stefanski's best game in terms of offensively. I think he could have maybe done a little bit more to get Baker into a rhythm. I think he identified that um, and will get better. I, I understand him taking the blame for Baker's inaccuracies, but at the end of the day, I think if Baker hits Odell on that, you know, third down and five and, and Odell houses it for 50 odd, 60 yards. Now all of a sudden it's 21, seven Baker has a touchdown pass Odell. Like it's just that one play. It was a great play. I mean, Odell with, with the crossing route, if you look, both receivers crossed him up. Odell was wide open and he completes that pass. It's a completely different offensive perception at the end of the day. So it's hard to really kill Stefanski and say, oh, I'm giving him a shit mark because Baker missed a wide open thing that would have changed the perception of the game. 
One thing I do want to fancy to sort out is whoever's in his ear, and it's not his fault, with the challenge flag was given on a play that there was just no way it was even worth challenging with um, AJ Green got beaten and made his feet, were, both feet were down comfortably. And then when Baker did reach and get the um, first down, didn't challenge that. I just feel like there was poor decisions there. So whoever's in the booth, because it's usually someone in the booth making that call, not a head coach on the side, that they've, they've got to do better. Seeing it live, I even thought the ball moved a little bit. So I think with their eyes down there on the sideline, if I'm not mistaken, that was on the Brown sideline. I think that's what they saw. And they saw Minnesota rushing it. And they said, you know what? It's the first half. Let's take a shot. Um, it was a big enough play where I don't, I think you're right, Jack, in the second half. I'm not sure he throws that challenge flag because hell, how many times have we gone through the first half and there's 40 seconds left and Stefanski's just calling timeouts to use him because he doesn't want, you know, to go in with him. So I would rather them do those type of plays in the first half than the second half because timeouts become far more precious in the second half. <clears throat> All right, guys, anything else anyone wants to get off their chest before we finalize the victory podcast that I'm super excited about and you two miserable get uh, sad and miserable. Hey, it's, it's a good thing that our expectations now aren't just get a win and then it doesn't matter how we play. No, win is not the threshold anymore. We, we are expecting a good performance on top of that. And that, that's a, how far we've come. Yeah, we just want to see them get better. I mean, we just want to see them make strides play a complete game. We want to see them put all facets together because, listen, next week they're going out to L.A. to play the Chargers. Again, another defense that you can move the ball on. We're not going to have to worry about weather. You know, we're in, we go from a dome to that. So you just want to see dominant performances. You know, if the defense is able to dominate like they did on their side and then all of a sudden the offense is able to put together like an 8-9 in terms of a rating, I mean, the sky's the limit for this team. Got too much money on us to win the division just to be content with wins. Who gets your game ball? Joe, okay. Oh, Joe, Joe Woods, if I can give it to a coach, but Joe, okay, if it's got to be a player. I'd give it to Ward. Ooh. Offense, I'm giving it to Dick Chubb. Defense, I'm giving it to Greedy Williams. Congratulations on your first career interception. Nick Chubb, Greedy Williams, Greedy got greedy, wanted the ball. There's your game balls. First Cousins interception on was it 288 pass attempts. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. yeah. Just shows you how efficient that Vikings offense is. And, you know, I thought Ward, to Paul's credit, played really well on Thielen. I mean, a lot of times when you watch Minnesota, that pitch and catch between Cousins and Thielen is almost automatic. And I thought they, they played the smart move, putting a longer, rangier corner on Jefferson for some plays. And then whenever it was the time, you know, time to get nasty, so to say, they put Ward on him, on Thielen. All right, let's finish up by saying we've got another great game next week. Who are we playing the Chargers next week? Chargers, out in LA, on the road. It's a late game. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.